Father, it is in your name that we come, not because we are so eloquent with words, not because we have any word that can transform, any word that can uh, uh, resurrect, any word that can heal. No word that can deliver God will come from these lips, only but your word. There is nothing within this flesh that dwells any good thing, declares the Lord, declares him through his word. But God, I know that you have called me for such a time as this. Now, God, I pray that you would anoint my lips, O God, Father, that they might be able to preach your word. God, that you would strengthen my wherewithal, God, that I might be able to do it with power and with conviction. God, I pray that you would let the mind in me be of Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would give me a heart of compassion as Jesus has for his people. God, I pray, God, that you would give me an unwavering stance, God, as the Apostle Paul. And Father, I pray that you would have the cherubims touch my lips with hot coals as you did the prophet Isaiah to sanctify them to be able to preach your word on today. Father, I pray that, God, that your people, God, would hear your word and and, and heed to your word exactly the way that you saw fit, God, as you started to shape this word for this morning. God, we pray that he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And God, we reverence you. God, we give your name praise. We do now give your name glory. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. From the gesture read scripture of Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. I'd like to talk to you on this morning, not very long, but I want to talk to you from this simple message. What money can't buy. What money cannot buy. You all so often we sit and we talk about what it is that that money can do for us, man. If I could just get my my hand on, you know, some 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 paper, I could do some stuff with. And money had a whole whole lot of names: cheddar, paper, coins. You know, run me my coins. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Money money's got a whole uh, plethora of names that it can be called, but ultimately. We look for it to do a particular thing, and it is to buy, it is to purchase, it is to allow us to uh, uh, get things, uh, go to places. Some folks think it can buy people, and quite frankly, some folks can be bought with money. Um, but you, we have to understand and realize you all. And, and before somebody starts saying, oh my God, she's, she's talking about uh, uh, money. Listen, this is not prosperity gospel. But I want to say something right here, um, because for whatever reason, and, and I have to admit, at one point in my life, I don't know where it came from, but I, I think I, I believed it as well, that uh, um, the more money that you had, uh, it seemed like the less closer to Christ that you were. Um, I, again, I have no idea where I got that, that, that concept from, but in my early, my early years of Christianity. That's what I thought. And it, it took a prophet to give me a prophetic word, not even knowing what I was thinking, not even knowing. I never dressed that way or anything like that. I've always liked nice things. But by the same token, uh, I never felt like, you know, I should pursue uh, having, uh, um, you know, stuff, having, having, uh, uh, you know, nice things or wealth or anything like that. And it was a prophet that came to me and said, and, 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 and being saved does not mean living in poverty. 
Had no idea where I came from. Don't know why the prophet said it. He didn't know anybody. I was actually at a conference, so he didn't know anybody that knew me. But he said, you know, being saved doesn't mean being in poverty. And so I had to search myself. Well, God, why would he say that to me? And, and, and it was then that God really helped me to understand the differentiation between what people see as money and the love of money. Uh huh. There's a difference between money and the love of money. See, we 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 quote that scripture wrong. It says money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. The love of money is the root of all evil. How can we say that? Because have you ever? Let's look at these times today where we're dealing with uh, uh, some economic downturns and some financial uh, 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 struggles. You know, those that believe in God. Know that he's still a provider. It has nothing to do with outdoors opening up. And it has not. I feel my help coming. It's got nothing to do with outdoors opening up. It has nothing to do with what the president signs into an executive order. It has nothing to do with them uh, opening up the state to, to phase three or 75% or 100% or anything like that. It belongs to God. We have to understand that the earth is the Lord. God help me. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world. And they that dwell therein. So that means that the 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 White House has nothing to do with my house. Y'all hear me today. The White House has nothing to do with how my house is being blessed. Because my blessings don't come from a house that's white. My house, my blessings come from a mansion on on high. So I don't have to worry about what's written into legislation. I just have to concern myself with being in line with what God has for me. When I step out of position, I I step out of the position of my blessing. So as long as I stay in place. And see that's what messes us up. Because we can be in place to get the blessing. But then the love of money causes us to step out of place. God help me. The love of money is what causes us to step out of position. Money is not what causes us to step out of position. Uh Uh-uh. It is the love of money. That is the root of all evil. How do I know that? Because if we understand, Jesus sent the disciples to go to a fish's mouth to get a coin to pay taxes. If Jesus didn't concern himself with money, if, 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 if being a wealthy is unbiblical, then how is it when the widow was running out of oil? <laughs> and the prophet said, do, do you have some, some pots? Yeah, yeah. Go pour the oil into the pots and, and fill up every pot in your house with the oil. Knowing she wasn't going to keep the oil, but that meant that she could go and sell the oil and her and her son could eat. Come on in here. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy as long as you remember where your blessings come from. Ah. It's nothing wrong with having nice things as long as the nice things don't overtake you. Come on. It's nothing wrong with wearing nice, excuse me, wearing nice clothes. Nothing wrong with getting your hair done. Nothing wrong with with, uh, brothers wearing nice suits. You know, there was a time everybody wanted to dress like Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey had, you know, has his own tailor-made suits and everybody, every man wanted to be fitted. Like Steve Harvey. There's nothing wrong with that. But when your appearance, <laughs> when your outside appearance 
looks better than your inward appearance. Because the Bible says that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. That's why our young people would rather wear designer clothes. But then we'll go and cuss out or teach. I ain't talking about nobody in his house. Lord, help us. I ain't talking about our young house kids. Uh, 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 his house kids. I, I, ain't, I ain't talking about them. Because I know they know better. Because they know their apostle will come at them. Come on, Zion. I, I'm, I'm, I, I see some of my kids over here and they're like, oh, here we go. Why do we come to church? <laughs> but we see it all the time. Well, we got young people who are dressed to the nines. They got to have on five, six, seven hundred dollars worth of stuff. They got name brand clothes and, and got on the latest Jordans and, and got gold on it and all of that. And look good on the outside, but they stink on the inside. And I don't blame the children. Because they got it from somewhere. They got it from somewhere. And I'm not, I'm not always blaming the parents. But, and can I just put a pin in right quick since we got uh, uh, kids on here and we got parents. Parents, be mindful of the influences of your children. Be mindful of what they watch. Be mindful of who they hang around. Be mindful of who they talk to on the phone. Be mindful of the music that they're listening to. Because if you're sitting there influencing them in the things of God, but they still looking like they riding with the enemy, you got to find out where it's coming from. You got to find out where it's coming from. And they can't bring that stuff that they learned at the schoolhouse in your house. Okay, I'm done with that. All right, moving on. But I want to make sure we make a distinction between money and the love of money. We're not talking about the love of money here. Matter of fact, we're not even really talking about money, money, you know, in terms of how we can make money. But God led me to this passage because we oftentimes feel as though if we got a little bit more money, it can help us out of our problems. It can help us out of our situations. I'm about to mess up somebody's uh, theology, your thought process, your, your dreams, desires, or something. But y'all, it's a lot of folks that got a lot of money that's taking their lives out of here. Money has nothing to do with happiness. We think it does, but it doesn't. It's all in a perspective. It's all in a state of mind. We have to understand that the Bible says that we are to prosper and be in good health. How? Even as our soul prospers. If your soul is bankrupt, if you're not trying to get anything on the inside, it doesn't matter how much money and stuff you got on the outside. Because it will never be enough. It will never be enough. So we sit and we try and gather things and we try and figure out how to make more money and run me my coins, working four, five, 12 jobs, multiple streams of income, which I'm not against. But if your multiple streams of income is taking you away from your mission, your destiny that God has created you for, then what is the purpose? And not only that, God, the Bible says in Exodus, God, whose name is jealous. God, listen, God is a jealous God. And if anything takes his place, you apt not to have it. Not because he doesn't want you to have it, 
But have you ever been in a relationship and you fooled around and talked to somebody too long or you looked at somebody too long? And why are you looking over there? <laughs> Ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. What? 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 Why are you having conversation over there? What? Brothers even do it. Oh, so that's what it's going to be like. Y'all, look, don't act, brothers. Don't act. Y'all will do it too. <laughs> don't, don't act. But set your gaze on somebody too long. You're going to feel some type of way. Guess what? We are created in the image of God. Set your focus on something off of God too long. He feels some type of way. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me up in here. I'm telling you that God will remove those things out of the way that's keeping you from him. He will. He will. He'll do it. Listen. Listen, you all. What money can't buy. We have to understand you all money can't buy some of the stuff that we think it can buy. And it's certainly from a biblical perspective. We've got to understand that money can't buy the things that God has for us. Let me first of all, let, let's talk about. Let's talk about this, this, this character that is in our scripture on today. By the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was a tax collector, not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. Now, we all have in our mind that we don't like the IRS. Now, some of us do because we always looking for a tax refund. So we like when it's tax time because we, we want the tax refund. But, you know, there, there are times that the IRS are not your friend. There are many times that the IRS is not your friend. And, and, and the, 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 the term tax collector leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Well, even so, you all, in biblical times, you have to understand that a tax collector was looked upon as being even worse than a murderer. Yeah, they were looked on as being even worse in a murderer. Some, some, some uh, passages of scripture called a tax collector a publican. A publican. And so we have to understand that the Jews of Jesus's day hated. And I know hated hate is a strong word, but that's how they, they reviled them. They, they, they hated seeing them coming. They hated their very presence because of the perceived greed and collaboration with the, the, the Roman government. See, see, what the tax collectors would do is the the Romans had a certain uh, uh, level of tax that you were to give and the tax collector would actually charge you taxes above that so that the Roman government got their cut and then the tax collectors got their cut. That's how they became wealthy by shucking their own people. Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was, he was a Jew like everybody else, but he was the tax collector. And so basically what he did was he stole from his own people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had somebody uh, do you wrong and you didn't expect it from them because y'all like, you know, y'all together, y'all, y'all do what you do. And 
All of a sudden, you find that you've been uh, bamboozled, you've been hornswoggled, you, you, you've been uh, 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 taken for your money by one of your own. So that's, that's the role Zacchaeus played. He was a tax collector. And the Bible says that even though he was a tax collector, he, was, he heard that Jesus... This man, Jesus, who he had heard some things about was passing through. And so Zacchaeus wanted to be able to get, uh, 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 he wanted to be able to take a look at Jesus. He wanted to, 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 uh, see what it is that everybody was talking about. He wanted to see who Jesus was, what the Bible says that he couldn't do it because of his height. He couldn't do it because he was too short. So can can I I use that to to get us to our first point? The first point that I want to share with you is that you all money can't buy you a glimpse of Jesus. <laughs> money cannot get you a glimpse of Jesus. You all money couldn't buy Zacchaeus any height. Mon- money couldn't make him taller. Money couldn't do that for him. And so Zacchaeus found himself stepping outside of the box and doing something that he might not have in his wealthiness, might not have thought that he would done. He climbed up, the Bible says, a sycamore tree to get a a view of Jesus. You all, those of you all who are looking to try and figure out how to make more money, how to get your hustle on in order to do this, that, and the third, understand this. Money won't get you a glimpse of Jesus. You got to step outside of the box and do something unconventional <laughs> to be able to get a glimpse of Jesus. What, what does that mean? That means that you, you might have to drop a job. Uh huh. Yeah. It means you might have to uh, do something opposite of what you would normally do. I would imagine because Zacchaeus, uh, uh, first of all, was a tax collector and knew people didn't like him. He probably uh, uh, did either one or two things. Either he stayed out of the sight of a group of people that he knew could beat him down. Can I just be real up in there? Or he walked with an air. Like, yeah, I'm a tax collector and there's nothing you can do about it. And at some point I'm coming to your house and you're going to have to pay taxes. What you got to say about that? <laughs> he either had one, he either had one uh, 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 perspective or the other. But he couldn't use either one of them in order to see who he wanted to see. My brothers and my sisters, money cannot get you a glimpse. If you're trying to sit there and say, you know, in this in this pandemic time, I, I don't see how people are sitting out here still worshiping. I don't see how people, I, I need to be able to see folks. I need to be able to get together. Here's the, here's the real deal. Can I just put it out here and just be straight up with you? I love y'all. I miss y'all. But y'all not going to keep me from seeing Jesus. If I can't see y'all, as long as I can see Jesus, I know I'm going to be all right. You all, we've got to understand that people, places, or things are not the ones that get us to Jesus. We got to have a one-on-one connection to be able to get to God. We do. So if we're waiting on to be able to get together, to be able to see Jesus, God may make it so that we don't ever get together. Do you realize that God has allowed us to be in the places that we are separate? We can't do what it is that we normally do. And if we can't keep a strong prayer life or even say, okay, God, well, I I, I can't get the corporate prayer. 
but you're the one I'm praying to. So I got no distractions. Let me go ahead and, and get my prayer on. We're not in church. And so uh, the praise team can't sing. And I wouldn't sing on the praise team because I can't sing. Leave that right there. <laughs> but I can sing to you. Because I should be singing for an audience of one. You all, we have a perfect opportunity. We have a perfect opportunity to be able to shape and cultivate and grow and strengthen our relationship with Jesus. And if we're allowing being sheltered in to stop that, then it's got nothing to do, nothing at all to do with the fact that you sheltered in. It's the fact that you have cut yourself off from Jesus. Can I just put it where it needs to be? Sheltered in has not stifled your relationship. You have. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. Matter of fact, before we were sheltered in, you were coming to his house. God was trying to get in your house. And if he couldn't get in your house, it's got nothing to do with the fact that you were coming to his. Well, I'm going to his house, so I'll get him there. No, he wants to be in your house so that you're ready when you get to his house. <laughs> So you've got to understand, my brothers and my sisters, that you got to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. You ought to be able to see Jesus before you come to his house to see him. You ought to see him because he's already in your house. He ought to be in everything that you're doing. You ought to see him when you wake up in the morning. You ought to see him when you're taking a shower. You ought to see him when you're getting dressed. You ought to see him when you're traveling to work. If you're traveling uh, out of your house to work, you ought to see him when you're logging in simply because he gave you the job that you're logging in to work. You ought to see him as you're dealing with people because he's got to give you peace to deal with some of these folks you deal with on your job. I know I'm talking to somebody up in here. You ought to see him when you log off. You ought to see him when you're talking to family members, especially the ones that don't know Jesus for yourself. You ought to be able to see him every time you eat because if it wasn't for him providing, you wouldn't have anything to eat. You ought to see him when you lay your head down at night because you got a place to lay your head. You ought to see him again when you wake up in the morning because the roof that you laid up under didn't fall on you. You ought to see him in every aspect of your life. Money can't buy you a glimpse of Jesus because you ought to be able to see God in everything, we used to do something called God at the movies. And the tagline is, can you really see God in everything? You really can't see God in everything. But I'm telling you that money can't buy you a glimpse of Jesus. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus uh, uh, could not see Jesus because he was short. And so the Bible says that he uh, 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 climbed up a sycamore tree. He climbed up a sycamore tree and, and as he was gazing, he was looking at Jesus, but he didn't realize that Jesus was looking at him. <laughs> Jesus was looking at him. This isn't even one of my points, but can I just say this right quick? You are why you're not looking for Jesus. Jesus is looking for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why you're not, why you're out doing what it is that you're doing, trying to make it happen. Jesus is looking right at you. He sees what you're doing. He sees you trying to, to make some stuff happen. And he's wondering when you're going to let him in to help you make happen what needs to make happen. You sitting there struggling, hustling, sweating, weary at night, stressing over bills and all of that. And God's like, if you trust, bring ye all the tithes. Yeah, I'm going to throw it in here. Into the storehouse that it may be meat in my, my, my house and prove me. Put me to the test, said the Lord. If I won't open the windows of heaven 
and pour you out a blessing. That you won't have room to receive. Anybody want a blessing that you don't have enough room to receive? Anybody want that in your life? So God is asking you to trust him with a small fraction of what you have. Not just your your treasure, but your time and your talents as well. Some of us won't give God a tenth of our time. We have 168 hours in a week. Go ahead and count it up. 24 hours times 7. We have 168 hours in a given week. We do. And if that's not right, I'm sure somebody will correct me later. I know. <laughs> but we, we, we've we got. She look, I see you. You looking back at one of your kids, Sister Kiyosha. Is that right? Yeah, go ahead. Check me. But uh, we have 168 hours in a given week. We spend about an hour, hour and a half tops in worship. But here's my question. So that's that's about yeah, 1. 1.5, 1.6 hours. What are you doing with the rest of your time? Because see, some of us are like, well, you know, I mean, you just said that's a tenth, right? That No. What are you doing with the rest? Of, what are you doing with the other 166.5 hours? If we spend about an hour and a half here, that leaves 166.5 hours left of your week. What are you doing? What are you doing to bring God glory? What are you doing to help further the kingdom? What are you doing? Take some time to do it. Take some talent to do it. Go go, go and help somebody mow a lawn or go help them clean a house. Somebody who's who's sick and, and can't do it. And, and I realize that, you know, we're dealing with COVID and all of that and people don't want to go out and, and, and get themselves exposed. God will reveal to you what to do. Maybe you go and, and, and buy some, some groceries for somebody and leave it on their doorstep. You know, just like you, you order food. You know, contactless delivery. You could do a contactless delivery of some some groceries on somebody's doorstep. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your talent? What are you doing with your treasure? Jesus is looking at you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. Not only can money not buy you a glimpse of Jesus, but you all money cannot buy being in his presence. The Bible goes on to say. That as Zacchaeus was looking at Jesus, Jesus, when he reached the spot where Zacchaeus was way up in the sycamore tree, he said, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. (laughs) I must stay at your house today. What would you say if Jesus spoke to you and said, come, I must Stay at your house today. My Today? Oh, Lord, I sure wish I had cleaned yesterday. Jesus, can you come tomorrow? I got some laundry. Laundry is strewn all over the house because I made those, you know, those, those, uh, uh, you know, categories. You know, my whites, my colors, my delicates. Can we, can, can, can you come another day? Oh, Lord. Jesus, we ain't been to the grocery store. And all we got is some pizza. And Jesus, you deserve better than pizza. Let look can can you wait till we get to the grocery store and and, and get gee, oh lord Jesus me me and my significant other we're not really speaking right now 
And I know that he won't speak to you simply because you came on with me because he just rude like that or she just rude like that. Can you come another day when we we doing what excuse would you give Jesus from coming to your house? Zacchaeus again was a tax collector. He was shystering people, God's people out of their money. But Jesus said, I must come to your house today. What excuse would you give for Jesus not to come to your house? Zacchaeus wanted to put his eye on Jesus, but Jesus had his eye on Zacchaeus. And so the Bible says that Zacchaeus came down and and welcomed him into his home. Jesus said, today is the day that I'm supposed to be a guest in your home. I wonder who else Jesus is saying that to today. Today is the day that I'm supposed to be a guest in your home. Not just this time that we're spending on, on, on in Zoom and on, and on live stream, but, but, but today is the day I'm supposed to be a guest in your home. How will Jesus spend his time in your house? How will you spend your time with Jesus in your house? Let me keep going lest I keep you too long. I see you, Elder Bostic, seeing Jesus is healthy for the soul. Folks are helping me preach out here. But notice you all, the Bible says that that Zacchaeus could, 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 could hardly believe it. Jesus was to come to my house? Notice the difference. He's like, Jesus was to come to my house. Whereas we sit there and say, oh, Lord, Jesus want to come to my house. <laughs> notice the difference. You all, we should have the excitement that, that, that Zacchaeus had when Jesus said, today is the day that I am to come to your house, the Bible says that uh, as Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, notice what the people do. The Bible says in, in verse 7, the folks started talking slick out of their mouth. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. How, how is it Jesus going to go to the house of somebody who's taking money from us? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I thought Jesus was a good guy, but he playing both sides. He's going to the house of a sinner. Can I just, cause I hear the Lord right now. Can I just be real right here? That's why some of you all are concerned about really, 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 really for real showing up, letting Jesus come in your house because of what the people going to say. Yeah, see, that 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 right there, that's the reason why you really won't sell out yourself to the Lord. What are the people going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are my family going to say? Uh, oh, so now you a holy roller? You you was just you you was just you was just out at the club with us last week. Now all of a sudden you Oh, okay, I see. Okay. You you was the one making the jello shots just at the last family get together. And now you Oh, okay. Okay. You you was the one rolling up for all of us just the other week. And I, oh, oh, okay, okay. When you just went, fill in the blank. I ain't, you know, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just saying. Because that's what people do when we decide that we're going to be for real, for real, showing up, no doubt about it, being with the Lord. I, I just put a post out there last week, uh, and I can't, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it has to do with the fact that you all... You know, we get past our past. 
But other folks got an eraser and they want to erase the grace ha, that God has placed on our past. But can I, can I encourage you on today that it does not matter what people say. If Jesus says he wants to come to your house, they can't stop Jesus from coming to your house. The only thing that can stop Jesus coming from your house is you. Why? Because God is not going to bogart himself into your house. He's not going to bogart himself into your life. He's not going to run ramshot over. Oh, you going to take me. That's not what Jesus does. The Bible says with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. He's going to love you in. And it's up to you whether you take the love and receive the love. Jesus told Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. He didn't care about who was looking. He didn't care about what Zacchaeus had done. He didn't care about any of that because he looked beyond what Zacchaeus was doing. And he looked at the heart of who Zacchaeus really was. Man looks at the outside. (laughs) But God looks at the heart. The people were selling out. Selling out talking about how is it that he's going to the house of a sinner. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus said he stood up in front of God, in front of Jesus and said, look, Lord, look, look, right, right now, I'm going to take half of my possessions and and give it to the poor. And, And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. The amount. Now, we don't know how long Zacchaeus had been a tax collector. We, we don't know how long he had been shystering the people. But he was the chief tax collector, which means that he, he may have come in contact with a lot of people. And he may have taken a lot of money. And he said, not only will I pay them back if I've, if I've cheated them, but I will pay them back four times the amount. This is someone who went from taking people's money to giving away all of his money. If he came across 10 people and he he cheated them out of the equivalent of today's value of $1,000. That means he had to pay 10 people $4,000. That's $40,000. Some of y'all sitting there whistling right now. $40,000? Out of his own pocket? And he, uh, he already said, I'm already going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And out of the other half that I'm keeping, I'm going to pay people back four times out of what I cheated them, cheated them out of. The people outside were talking about Jesus was going to the house of a sinner. But the fact that Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus is what compelled him to change. So not only can money not buy a glimpse of Jesus, not only can money not buy being in his presence, but you all money can't buy a converted life. (laughs) Money cannot buy a converted life. It's got nothing to do with how much money you have. It can't buy you salvation. It's got nothing to do with what kind of house you live in. It can't get you deliverance. Matter of fact, it might get you more bound. Be careful. I don't care how much money you have. It will not cause for the person that you decided to boo up with to get saved and live right. 
money can't buy a converted life. How do I know that? Because when Zacchaeus said that he was going to do what he did, he didn't just say that just to have lip service, but he said it out of his heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. If he was tied up in money, if the Bible says he was wealthy, he was a tax collector. He made his living cheating people out of their money. And so now he's saying, I'm no longer going to be a cheat, Lord. I, 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 I see now that's not the way to go. And what does Jesus say to him in verse 9 and 10? It says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. This man too is a son of Abraham. This man too. Yes, he was a cheat, but he's still a son of Abraham. Yeah, he was a tax collector, but he's still a son of Abraham. Yeah, you might not like him, but he's still a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to this house. I don't care what y'all are saying about Zacchaeus. I'm telling you that salvation has come to this house. Because the Bible says that Jesus goes on to say, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. I'm about to mess somebody up and I, 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 I'm closing out. I'm, I'm, I'm done now. But I need you to, to understand something. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been sanctified. I don't care how much you, how long you've been filled with the precious Holy Ghost. You still need Jesus and you still need the Holy Ghost in order to, to be sanctified from now until Jesus return. But Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. So if you're sitting there saying, uh-uh, I don't deal with sinners because I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved and sanctified. <laughs> I'm filled with the precious Holy Ghost. And I speak in tongue and that as God give utterance. And I'm down with that because I do the same. But guess what? Everybody that I, I, I deal with are not just saved and sanctified. And going around like I do. We got to quit discipling disciples. Y'all like, oh my God. We got to quit going and trying to re-disciple disciples. We have revival and say, bring all the lost. Revival, revive. Pastor Schaefer, we talked about this. Revive means to live. Again, if you were never living, then how can you live again? The, the saints need to come to revival. We need to have evangelistic outreach for those that are lost. And we need to have more of that than we do a revival. God help me. We need to have more outreach than we do revivals because those that are being revived are already in the household of faith. They need to be jump started. But sometimes you are we jump starting folks that ain't going to go out and do no more work. They're not doing any more work. They come in and they suck it up like a sponge. And you know what happens to a sponge that you don't squeeze out that that you use the sponge to pick up stuff? It's not useful. Why? Because it's supposed to be squoes out. I said squoes. It's supposed to be squoes out. So it's available to be used again. If you don't squeeze out a sponge, then the purpose of the sponge is no longer applicable. But people of God, if God has gifted you and you are not using your gifts to help further the kingdom by doing what? 
going out and telling somebody about the gospel who needs to be saved, then you are not useful for the kingdom. You are not effective for the kingdom. Just like if you're gathering all your wealth and you sit and and put in $10 and say that's your tithe. Yeah, I'm going to go there. God didn't bless you for you to be sitting there like a fat cat. He didn't. God blessed you so that you could be a blessing and make some room so he could bless you even the more. Do y'all understand that 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 is the the, the that's the the, the uh, process that is the concept of reciprocity. You give, it comes back to you. You give, it comes back to you. You got to make room. You can't go to a well. We can't go to a buffet right now. I don't know if some of them are open or not. But you can't go to a buffet with a full plate and keep just stacking food on top of it. Now you got some that do. But you got to make room somewhere. And if you're at the pinnacle, you got food stacked on your plate like this and it's like this. And you tell them, just put it right there on top. They're going to be like, that's going to be a mess. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's That, that right there, that's going to be a mess. You got to make room. Make room in your life for more blessings. How? By giving out blessings. The Bible says, Zacchaeus said, I'm giving half of my possessions to the poor. And the other half, I'm going to pay back uh, four times what I cheated the people out of. Money cannot buy you a converted life. And he realized that. And that's why he started giving up that that he was holding on to. My brothers and my sisters, understand this. Money cannot buy you a glimpse of Jesus. You got to do something unconventional in order to be able to see Jesus. You got to do something uncomfortable. I would imagine that being short and climbing up a sycamore tree was not comfortable for Zacchaeus, but he did something uncomfortable. Why? Because he wanted to lay his eyes on Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Money can't buy being in his presence because he went seeking for Jesus. He realized that Jesus was seeking for him. (laughs) And Jesus said, today I'm supposed to come to your house. And money cannot buy a converted life. Because once you come in contact with Jesus, really come in contact with Jesus, not just come on the perimeter of, but really come in contact with Jesus, there's no way you can stay the same. And money can't get you that. There's no way you can stay the same. Having an encounter with Jesus. You all, money can't buy everything. Money can't buy happiness. I'm sorry. And truth be told, happiness is not the way of the believer anyway. The Bible said it best. Paul wrote it. He said, in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. You are happiness is an emotion. And we already know when we get in our feelings, what ends up happening. But contentment is a state of being. Paul said, I've learned how to abound and I've learned how to abase. In other words, I've learned how to roll with when things are good and I've learned how to roll with it when things aren't so good. And you are when you recognize that God is still in control of it all. You won't try and sit there and try and hustle and make it happen. Get your coins together. All this, that and the third. I'm not talking about, you know, retirement planning and I'm not talking about planning and all of that. The Bible says we have to plan. Matter of fact, we're supposed to plan in order to be to leave a legacy. And if we don't do this, the Bible calls us irresponsible. So we have to plan in order to build a legacy. 
But when you get to a place where the love of your legacy is more than your love of the love of God. Then that's the root of evil. You all money cannot buy. I'm going to say it again and I'm done. Money cannot buy you a glimpse of Jesus. Money cannot buy you being in his presence. And money cannot buy a converted life. But the wealth that we have in the spirit can buy us all those things and more. Because salvation is free. And the son of man came to seek and save those that are lost. And if you are watching this on today, if you're watching from Facebook or YouTube or Periscope, and you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, he desires for you to know him in a real and a tangible way. He wants you to know him. He, he, he wants for you to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want you to flounder in this life and, and, and not know him. And to not be able to to live the abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Not just life, but life more abundantly. So if you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, I'm here to let you know that it is as easy as ABC. First of all, you have to admit. Admit you're a sinner and accept that you're a sinner. You got to accept that the wages of sin is death. That's God's punishment for sin is, is, is death. And understand this. I don't care how good of a life you live. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. After admitting and accepting you all, you've got to believe. Believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin on a hill called Calvary over 2,000 years ago. Understand this, even when you are in your sin, if you think about the worst sin that you've ever committed, yeah, Jesus died for that sin too. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, while we were still doing what it is we thought we were big enough and bad enough to do, Christ died for us. And you might say, well, why would he die for me? I, I'm a nobody. You're not a nobody. You're a whosoever. So what John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and it is the time of the whosoever, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. You accept, you admit, you believe, and then C says you confess. You confess and repent of your sins. Tell God all about it. And then you confess that Jesus is Lord. Because the Bible says in Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. And verse 10 goes on to say this, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. When you confess with your mouth your salvation is sure. Romans 10 goes on in verse 13 to say that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
My brothers and my sisters, it's as simple as A, B, C. So if you're here on today and if you say, I, I'm watching and, and, and I, I, I struggle with money. I do. I want it. <laughs> I want it. I want to do something with it. I got to have it. But I'm realizing that 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 I was holding on to isn't getting me anywhere. And what I really need is to have a relationship with Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I've been going about this the wrong way. I've been chasing after money when I should be chasing after you. I accept that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that you are good, but I haven't always been. I believe that you died for my sins. And now I'm confessing my sins to you. I'm confessing that you are Lord and that you died for my sins. According to your word, I'm now saved. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we thank God for the word of God. You all do me a favor. 